Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandTheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome back to another episode of JT and the Don. I am Donato Bucci, the Don. And remember to please subscribe to us. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you find all of your favorite podcasts. And please remember to leave us a five-star review. And with no further delay, let me bring in everyone's favorite, Jimmy Thompson, JT. How you feeling today? I feel like we should, when you bring me in, we should get like that round of applause, like soundtrack, and you should just automatically just start playing that. The fake round of applause, you mean? Yeah, I mean, if we were in, in front of a live studio audience, it'd be real applause because, wow. you know, they would be happy to see me. But yeah, we can do the fake thing until we get in front of a live audience. So now you admit you are everyone's favorite after that. Comment. I don't know. You've been telling me that for so long. I guess I'm starting to buy the hype. Yeah. Nice. Right. Nice. All right. All right. Well. We got some pretty interesting topics, so let's get right to it. The leadoff spot. Let's go to baseball. Christian first of all, first of all, leadoff spot in baseball. We know who picked this, so go ahead. <laughs> yep, that's me. Christian Yelich signing a what ends up being a nine-year, or I'm sorry, a seven-year extension worth 188 and a half million. So overall, he still had two years left on his current deal. So it ends up basically being a nine-year, $215 million contract. So, JT, what I want to know right off the bat, is this a good move by the Brewers? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, a great move. I mean, let's not forget. Well, this hurts me because we the I'm a Marlins fan, so we had Yelich here and, you know, you know, Marlins do what the Marlins do. They, you know, trade off assets, let players go. And he ended up developing into an MVP player. He won, what, NL MVP just two years ago. So Right, 2018 season, yep. Yeah, 2018 season, and he's only 28. So to lock up a guy, you mentioned it already, he had two years left on his remaining deal, and then he signed an extension. So they're basically only going to pay him $215 million. That's cheap as hell if you think about the landscape of baseball and where it's going. Just look at last offseason when Harper and Machado got those big deals. Harper's getting paid $330 million <laughs> to leave the Phillies nowhere. So the fact that they got a young guy that cheap is a good thing. And just to kind of put it into perspective, I was reading somewhere where, I mean, this is the second, this is the second like $100 million contract they've signed in team history. And you look at the deal they gave Ryan Braun in, what, 2011? It was only for $105 million. So almost 10 years later, you would think their next major deal would be some astronomical number. And it's really not. It's still coming in under market value. So they definitely got away with extending Yelich and not having to pay him that much. And this probably explains why they didn't go after the, all those big names in free agency. They were just making sure they had enough cash to pay Yelich. Like, they could have went and got Rendon, your boy, you love him, Garrett Cole. They made no moves on those guys. And they let some of those, some of their own guys go, like uh, Mustakas and Grandal. So, I think what they're doing is 
they're getting their guys settled so they can build for the future going forward. So I think it's a good move for them. Yeah, that's a great fun fact, by the way, with the Ryan Braun contract that you mentioned with the Brewers. So that's that's good. I like that, JT. Um, I totally agree with you. I think this is a great move by the Brewers. You said it. He's only 28 years old. Um, 28 million of that money will be deferred. So basically, annually, once the extension kicks in, it's going to be 26 million a year is what they pay him with four million deferred every year. So, I mean, they're getting away with it. Machado signed 30 million a year, and this guy, like you said, 2018 MVP, and you look what he's done the last two years. Pretty good. 36 homers, 110 RBIs is MVP season last year. 36 clean homers. <laughs> I won't touch that. Last year, 44 homers, 97 RBIs. I mean, the last two years as batting average, 2018 was 326, and then last year, 329. So you got to like where he's going. And. Well, you got to like where the team's going, too, because I think a lot of this is predicated on the fact that they made the playoffs the past two seasons. But I think he's a huge part of it. Oh, he's a big part of it. And they love him. They love him there. So I think that was easy for him to say, I'll take less money. Let's get this deal done so we can, you know, make something happen with this run. Well, that's the thing now. He's basically synonymous with the Milwaukee Brewers in, in the Milwaukee community. And that's another reason why I think they could not afford to let him somehow leave. The only thing that I hesitate with is when you got two years left and then I think he had a club option, I think, for a third year, they could have had him until he was 31. So why pay him this soon? Make him maybe prove it another year or another two years, even though I know the risk then is now you're getting into this huge 10-year, $300, $400 million contract. Because they don't want to play that Dak Prescott game. Get him signed now. We can afford it. Let's get it out of the way. It's not like we don't want him on the team. Eventually, you're going to have to pay the man. So get it done. You have the money now. That is true. That is, but I want, I want, I want your opinion. And, I, on and I like, I like the deal. I'm just saying that would have been my only hesitation, but I'm sure the Brewers did it for a reason. So I'm, I, I think I'm, a, I agree with you. It's a great deal. Well, here's the thing. You're the contract guy. So Donato's the numbers guy. Anything with contracts goes through him. We, I think we're agreeing that this is a great deal by the Brewers. Do you like the fact that there's a no trade clause and a no early opt out in that deal? Do you think that's still good for the Brewers? Yeah, I would think so because you got to look at it this way. Nine years would get him to, what, 37? Listen, I think now it's understood, hey, the last three years of a contract in baseball, you might not get your money's worth. You might not even get close to it. But those other six years, if he's winning two MVPs and getting you to the playoffs four of those six years, especially a small market team like Milwaukee, you take the you take that chance. Like you eat some of that money, unfortunately, but I, I think you take it's that baseball. Chance. They they all eat money. Yeah. So yeah, this just shows like you're right. They're all in on him. So let's go to something I know we're not going to agree on. So there's rumors that you know everyone knows that Tom Brady is probably going to leave New England free agency. So everybody's in on you know where he's going to sign. But one story that keeps popping up is that. Dan Graziano reported that Tom Brady has been staying adamant about wanting to play somewhere where Antonio Brown will be. So, we, first of all, we don't even know if AB is going to get back in the league. But this story, I've, I've heard it multiple times, and it just seems to not be going away. So, 
Donato, is it even a smart move for Brady to be basically attaching himself to A.B. and that's going to be a part of his decision? I actually kind of like that that move. I think it is kind of – I don't know if I would say it's a smart move, but I like that move by Brady because it's Tom Brady. I think any other QB except a handful in the history of the NFL could not get away with this, especially with the the lingering uh, legal problems Antonio Brown has out there. But Tom Brady, yes, this is this is a, actually a, a smart move. Well, again, I don't know if I would say smart move. It's a good move because this is why. He realized his last year in New England, wow, I need weapons. And the best one out there still, or top three, top five, is Antonio Brown. And he already built a rapport with him, so he saw his work ethic. Antonio Brown's work ethic might be just as good as Tom Brady's. So Tom Brady likes that in players, okay? So go ask, like, my Steelers about needing weapons. And Tom Brady is going to say also, hey, I need Antonio Brown. And listen, if it doesn't pan out, meaning like they go somewhere together, doesn't work out, Antonio's still trouble in the locker room, no one's going to remember that at the end of the day. They're going to remember the six Super Bowls that Tom Brady won. So I like this by Tom Brady because he's saying wherever I go, I'm going to make sure that there are weapons for me offensively that I am going to be able to excel. Damn, that is not the way I thought you would go. You I totally, thought when you, you said totally that, I was like, my setup. you might be surprised, JT. Yeah, it's obvious he's trying to get back to the Randy Moss level of, hey, if I have this dominant superstar wide receiver, I see what I can do. So, yeah, I, I do think it's a good move that he's at least trying to say, if I leave New England in this great coaching, this great system, I got to go to a team that has, you know, ready weapons for me to do damage and go to a Super Bowl because that's what he's playing for now. He's not playing for wild card losses. He's playing for another <laughs> ring. So with that being said, do you think that there's any change on where you think he'll go? So whether it's A.B. or just this whole thing being thrown out there, do you think this changes where you thought he would go initially? No, no. I still think it's the Patriots. and the reason So you still think he's staying home? I still think so. And you know why? My usual answer here, you know why? Why? Because Vegas is saying so. New England is one to two odds, meaning you have to put down $200 on the Patriots to win only 100 So that leads me to believe, again, that he is staying in New England. So that hasn't changed. Um, I would say, though, I told you from right after the season, I have a hunch, though, if there's any team he leaves for – it's going to be the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. And Vegas says they have the third best odds at him. So that's my second team, but I'm still going with New England. Uh, I heard the Titans, and they're the T favorites too. Titans are, are second, yes. And then yep. we talked about this on the last show. The 49ers are making a real strong push, and that's a crazy thing. And we actually uh, talk about it on our Instagram Uh the 49ers are trying to make a deal where they swap Brady for Garoppolo, essentially. And that would be crazy if he went to the 49ers. We kind of already talked about that. But, no, I don't think this changes anything because I don't think A.B. is going to get back in the league. If he does get reinstated, he'll just be suspended. So, uh, Brady, yeah, I understand wanting to play with him. But, you know, you might get him, go to the team he's on, and he might not be available. So, let's go to the Cowboys where 
I I didn't know when this was at the at the moment, but now it's being released that Dak Prescott, who's in contract negotiation with the Cowboys, turned down a deal that would have paid him thirty three million per year and had almost one hundred million dollars in guarantees. Apparently, he turned this down last season. So, do you think this was a bad move that he turned it down? So, yes and no. I understand what he's trying to do in terms of hey, NFL players have a short you know, uh, career and they need to make as much money as they can while they're playing. And so I understand that he's trying to get every possible penny. The reason why I really don't now that it's, this is coming out. If it's true, why I don't like this. Cause I've always kind of been in Dak's corner. Like, Hey, they're paying all these other guys first, but not the franchise QB. And I think he is worth a franchise QB, um, in terms of money wise. So, but the reason why, if this is true and he turned down $100 million guaranteed, why I don't like it is, listen, it's $100 million guaranteed. Like, not even Kirk Cousins got this, and we're all, like, un, you know, still can't believe the contract he got from the Vikings. I think it was almost like 83 or $84 million guaranteed. So, here, you're getting $100 million guaranteed. Like, what else do you want? And then on top of that, you have to realize, listen, are you in it just for the money or you want to try to win titles? Because if you want to try to win titles too, you're getting your $100 million guaranteed, which is nice. But but here's got, the thing. Like, what I'm else pretty, do you, hold on. He's not, what, a first, he's not a first round pick, so I'm pretty sure he is in it for the money. But JT, it's $100 million. You're getting that guaranteed. What else do you want? What? How much more do you want? Because the more you want, it's going to take away from you being able to ever sign someone like Amari Cooper. Not that they're going to be able to afford him anyway now, but even in the future, if the cap goes up, you're taking up too much. And who who are you going to throw to? To me? Like, you don't want I mean, that. They did call you Jeremy Shockey, so they might can get you for a cheap deal. <laughs> but listen, you don't want that. Like, you need the Amari Coopers in the league, and they're not going to be able to afford that. So – that's why I'm saying no is because it's $100 million guaranteed, and now you seem to be, to be greedy, and I think it's going to hurt your chances of winning a Super Bowl. So let me ask you this question. If, if Let's swap the name on this story. Let's say last offseason Patrick Mahomes turned down this same deal. And fast forward, they win a Super Bowl. He has another great year. Do you think it's a bad move that he turned it down? The difference is, JT, all the pieces were still there. See, that's the difference here. Who's he going to throw to when Amari Cooper's, Cooper leaves? Well, here's the thing. My that's point the, is. The, no, wait. My, that, that is the difference in my opinion. Because with Mahomes, I can, and Mahomes is younger. And I think people still see him going up. Whereas Dak is going up, but maybe not at the rate of Mahomes. But again, Mahomes had everyone there. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Dak doesn't have those. Well, here's the thing. I get you on that point, but here's the thing. Dak's got to get paid, and if he's like, you know what? Now, keep in mind, they the, the players know the CBA is coming up, so they know that it, the, the, at some point, salary cap's going to come up. It's going to go up. So if he did indeed turn this down before the start of the season, he's basically saying, you know what? I'm betting on myself. I'm confident. I've had an offseason in this new offensive play caller. With this offensive play caller, so I think I can do well. So I'm taking a risk on myself. If I if it doesn't go as planned, at the very worst, they'll franchise tag me, which means I'm still getting paid 
top money on a yearly annual uh, uh, salary average for a quarterback. So I think what he did was he just bet on himself. At the moment, you're right. It probably wasn't the best thing to do. It sounds kind of stupid. But fast forward, he won. It's like going to Vegas. Like you put everything on one number. It hit. So now guess what? He's already proven now that he's a good quarterback. He's got a great season under his belt. And guess what? He's going to get paid more than this now by somebody. And that's the point. No, no, no. I agree. I'm fine in terms of, and I'll agree with you that, hey, you bet on yourself. I have no problem. You don't problem. have to agree with me, but I'm saying that, no, no. that I think that's what he did. I have no problem with betting on yourself. I like when players do that. Where I disagree with you is. No, he likes, you like when players get tagged. Like that's, <laughs> like if Dak gets not, tagged, you'll be so happy. That is not true. No, I'm a fan of Dak. You know that. I don't want to see him tagged because I think the Cowboys mismanage this whole situation but that we've talked about that before i i am fine with him betting on himself where i don't like it is when you're talking about like how all right he he actually proved himself where i don't think anyone's knocking down their door and the fact that you were going to get three thirty three million per year which is okay money there in terms of nowadays in the quarterback uh rate salary wise but it's the 100 million guaranteed that is what they play for like that is what they live for is that guaranteed money and he just let it go what happened you talk about the franchise tag what happens if he has an alex smith type injury bro it's done that is over with he's going to lose 70 million he'll make what 30 this year he will have lost 70 million you can't just assume you're not going to get hurt even at the quarterback position yeah, I I agree with you on that, but hey, look, he bet on himself. He won. I think I it looks like a smart move. I don't think he's won yet. What has he won? He's gonna get the a deal. franchise I tag. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna get a contract extension done. Well, I I think eventually they will, but it seems to be tougher and tougher now because there's less money for the Cowboys to spend on the cap. I'm just yep, saying. It all, yep, it all went to Jalen Smith. <laughs> no, that's that's not true, but. It was definitely spread around a lot. Um, so, JT, let's talk about another Cowboys quarterback. This one, a former Cowboys quarterback. Your dude, Tony Romo, CBS, um, re-signed him to $17 million per year to be their analysts, uh, analyst on their top uh, broadcast team. So, with that came a comment by Michael Thomas saying, and I quote, no way the announcer should make more than 90% of the players. JT, do you agree with the comments by Michael Thomas? Does he have a point? Yes. <laughs> but it, it's really not Tony Romo's fault. CBS does not pay the NFL players. So it, it's it's irrelevant. CBS feels like he's worth that much money. They have that much money to give him. And if we're, if we're, if we're doing it by... Hey, look, we're paying somebody by one, the value they bring to the product they were putting out there, and two, like their performance on the job. Tony Romo should be one of the highest paid people at CBS because him on air do, calling the games is amazing. Him calling out, hey, they're going to do this based on this formation, or he's going to audible to this play. Like, he's usually like 90% right, and people love that. He's so. I know we is, do. I know we do. We love hearing it's crazy. that. You know, that yeah. the, the X's and O's that he does, yeah. Yeah, and to tell you how good Tony Romo is, he has officially changed 
everything for broadcasters. They're now trying to pay Peyton Manning $20 million to do sorry Monday night football. Like, so in hopes that they catch lightning in the bottle and it's like, you know what? Shoot, he's a better quarterback than Tony. Maybe he can see the field and call the game better <laughs> than Tony can. Like, he's changing the entire way that that broadcasting is done. He is the Patrick Mahomes of broadcasting. Like, they've never seen anything like him. And guess what? If you're the Patrick Mahomes of something, you're going to get contracts and money and offers that we've never seen before. So, yeah, he absolutely deserves it. But uh, Thomas, I really can't get with him on this one. Uh, and that's probably why he deleted it. He, it was out of frustration because they're trying to get their own CBA done. But, yeah, he has. I don't agree with the comments at all. So, yeah, I agree with you. I don't agree with his comments. And, and it's what you said. CBS is paying him. And – the NFL is not. That's the difference. Like, Romo is not constricted by the NFL salary cap. So how can you hate on a guy that that's what the market dictates is his going, his is his asking price. And like you said, he brings a lot of value to CBS in terms of their football. And People so, want to hear him call the game. Right. Like, when you're tuning in, you're like, if that's the big game, you want it to be Romo or you're hoping whatever game you get that Sunday – you're going to be able to hear Tony Romo, and and that says a lot to him. Um, and then the other thing too is that, besides the market value and that the NFL is not paying him, it's CBS. The other thing too is Michael Thomas. Don't forget, you are such a great receiver that you may have a future in television at some point. And are you going to turn down if someone comes at you with ten, fifteen million dollars? Nope, nope. So. End the story. I don't want to hear it. I think you're right. I think he realized it was out of frustration and, you know, deleted it. So what funniest thing about this whole this whole situation is we we put something up on social media about it to kind of like gauge like random people's comments. I would say 90 percent of the people were all, like all over Michael Thomas about this. They yep. were like, dude, like, what are you talking <laughs> about? Like, this is this is ridiculous. I have, I have people who I know that for sure have have no interest in sports being like, Michael Thomas is a, a straight brat. Like, this is ridiculous. Tony Romo should be able to make whatever he wants. But to me, I feel like he didn't even have the best quote in response to this entire situation. Did you see what, uh, what's his name, uh, Marcus Spears wrote, what he, did, or what he wrote on Twitter? I, I think I did, but I, I forget it now. Dude, it was so funny. So, like, Spears obviously is an analyst, too, on ESPN, and he used to play for the Cowboys. And he goes... He tweeted, I told my son Romo signed for $17 million. And his son goes, Romo's back with the Cowboys? <laughs> and he's like, I died laughing. And I said, no, he's with a television network. And he said, my son told me, Dad, you need to get your money up. <laughs> See, that's my example, right? Like Marcus Spears, former player. Hey, why not? Maybe he should hold out from ESPN and try to get more money, right? I mean, it's the value that you bring to your company. Also, too, in the in the words of our dear, dear friend, Oldsma Bros, this is why people hate receivers. So, <laughs> Michael Thomas, you're not doing that diva receiver image any favors. Just just quiet down with this. I agree with you. Shout out to Oldsma Bros. Thanks. Thanks for being a loyal <laughs> listener. All right. So let's move over to the Bengals and Joe Burrow. So they just wrapped up the combine. Uh, of course, he's going to be a number one pick. So he's under a lot of scrutiny. His hands measured the smallest for a quarterback since 2008. Wow. Do he have, like, miniature hands? Do you get the numbers on that? I I thought it – I don't know. I thought it was, like, nine inches, but I'm not sure. 
Jesus, Jesus, man. That's, they'll they'll make they'll make a story out of anything. And then yeah, plus, yeah. Uh, there's news coming out that the Bengals are planning to franchise receiver AJ Green because of a meeting they had with Joe Burrow, and in which he told them that he wants the team to keep Green if they're going to draft him. So. It's it's a foregone conclusion that Burrow is going to be the number one overall pick to the Bengals, but the real question to me is that I want to ask you: Are we one hundred percent certain that Burrow is going to be a better draft pick long term than Tua? A hundred percent, no. If you're making me pick, let's throw, you know you know let's throw out the percentages. Like, boom do you do you still think that Burrow is going to be a better draft pick and better quarterback than Tua? Oh, man, this is a really tough question. I struggled with this one. Um, If I had to pick, all right, my gut tells me Tua. Like, I want to believe it's Tua. But my mind, after seeing the season Burrow had and what he did to the Clemson defense in the Alabama defense, my mind says Burrow. Because the other part is the Tua injuries, right? Like, those are mounting up. He had a huge hip, like a major hip injury. And Joe Burrow, bro, he can ball. I mean, he had some big games, clutch moments. You know, he also had he also had ridiculous talent around him too. But so, so does too. I mean, come on, we saw Rugg, but I, but not Smith. to the level I think LSU had this year. But yes, Jerry Tua, Judy, Tua, are you Tua kidding? Has ha, has had talent. I, yes, I mean, he has. But I think LSU was the more talented team on offense this year. Clearly, okay, but receiver wise, I mean. It, they're, they're pretty much even now. But anyway, Joe Burrow can still ball out. I mean, what he did to Clemson, what he did to Alabama. So I'm going to go Joe Burrow, but that's a very hesitant Joe Burrow, and a lot of it is the Tua injury. And that's what, and that's why I hate answering questions like this because – You came up with the question. <laughs> you couldn't wait to get that out there. I couldn't wait. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's so tough because if you say, yeah, I think Tua is going to be better – Boom, he comes back and blows out another hip or has a, has another injury. Like, he he has shown that he is injury prone over the past few years. And then we don't even get to have this debate, honestly, because one guy is not even getting to realize his potential. Here's the one thing that is making me kind of go the Joe Burrow route is, I guess, guys who are scouting, who know, you know, what a, what a franchise quarterback looks like. The one thing I keep hearing about Burrow, and I, I heard it before the combine, and I heard it during the combine, and this is why they keep pushing him as the number one and why he's better than Tua, is everybody says the dude is smart as hell when it comes to picking up a, a playbook. And they seem to feel that if no matter what team he goes to, if they just give him a brand new playbook, obviously, he's going to pick it up so fast. And they really haven't seen many guys come out of college that can decipher you know information like that that fast. So... They all, they all say that from the neck up, he has it. And to me, that's where the quarterback position is played in the NFL. So if I'm trusting what those experts say, I got to go with Burrow because he's already flashed. Like you said, he's a playmaker. He balled out last season. But he's smart, too. It's not just he's a product of the system. Like, he made the system if what they're saying is correct about his intelligence. So I'm going to go with him. But, man, it's scary because if Tua was healthy, he has – all the tools that tell me he would be a superstar. He's athletic. He's super accurate. But I don't know. I got to go with Burrow for now. But let's kind of go to the A.J. Green perspective because we all know, you agree with me, you think A.J. Green is done with the Bengals, right? 
Him personally, yeah, I yes. think he would. I think he would like to move on. Yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think that's why he didn't play last year. But do, do you think it was the right move for them to tag him based on Burrow saying, "We, I want him," even though Burrow isn't there yet. He hasn't been officially tagged yet, so I don't think it's official. But if they end up tagging him, is it the right move? Is that what you're saying? Is it the right move because <laughs> Joe Burrow told them to do it? Oh, because Joe Burrow told him to do it. Yes and yes, meaning yes because Burrow told him to do it, and yes, it would be the right move to franchise tag him. You know why, JT? Because you tag the guy when you're not sure if you should pay him long term. That's what you do. So in this instance, he's coming off of an injury that kept him out all season. And then on top of that, he's getting older. And receivers, as we've seen, are not aging all that well lately. They break down. They're done. Yep. And so on top of that, you've got a rookie quarterback. So let's see what they can do first together. If A.J. Green doesn't help Joe Burrow in that offense improve or get better, then you just let him walk and you've only wasted one year of money. Why would you just let – a, one of your best receivers ever in the history of the Bengals just leave or pay him, you know, a multi-year deal. Why would you do either one of those when you can franchise tag him and see what he can do with Joe Burrow? I want to say this is not the right move because if they tag A.J. Green, this just destroys my conspiracy theory that the Panthers are going to move up to get Burrow with the number one overall pick. So... This just says that, obviously, they're all in on Burrow. They're not going to entertain any offers to trade that number one overall pick. But, no, I don't think it's a good move because you're tagging a guy that doesn't want to be there regardless of the situation. A.J. Green could have came back at any point last year. And here's the thing. I think he's so done with the Bengals. I wouldn't be surprised if even if Joe Burrow, they said Joe Burrow wanted him to show up and that's why they're tagging him, he still might not play. I think he is at Trent Williams' level of get me the hell out of here, and I think he'll do anything to get out of Cincinnati. Then, and I think it's a bad move for the Bengals to say, look, this new guy coming in has more say than probably A.J. Green has put in the past saying, like, hey, I'd like us to do this. I'd like us to bring in this guy. And they probably haven't listened to him, but now this guy who's not even here yet is calling the shots. Bad move by them. But, but JT, the money is what will talk, right? Because – he cannot just afford to sit out anymore in terms of if he wants another contract from somewhere. Because what team is willing to pony up a lot of money at this point for him? He's got injuries. He, Like I said, he's, he's, got getting, injuries. he's getting older. He's like, got injuries. Yes, I know. I'm just saying he has a lot of injuries. I know, but that's what I'm saying. And he's a year older. Like You're saying, oh, he'll just sit out. The reason why he sat out last year, even if he was healthy to come back, was they were not going anywhere. They're not going to go anywhere next year. But you never know. You never we know do what know. can happen. No, we don't. You no, see the Bengals coming out. You see the Bengals coming out, out of that division next I, year? I don't know anymore. Who would have ever thought – Half of the thing. Who would have thought la- going into Who would have thought year- the Ravens would have came out of the division? No, yeah, me. Exactly. <laughs> That's one. And two, going into the 2018 season with Patrick Mahomes, who would have ever thought the Chiefs were going to be hosting the AFC Championship game? A lot of people thought they would. Two years ago, 2018, when Mahomes had started one game prior to that, 
Tell me the people that said they were going to host the AFC Championship game, be the those number that, one seed. Those Tell me. Are out there, I want to know because they should be hired automatically by ESPN if they're not already on ESPN. Anyway, you never know what can happen, but the reason why he sat out was they were going nowhere, and it was a free agent year. Like, why would he risk that injury to play, what, just, three meaningless games? I just don't, don't want to tag somebody who's proven that they don't want to be there because that's when things can get ugly. And you can't and – and, and you made a good point. He's always injured. So you're giving a guy, what, top six money at the position on an annual, annual salary average. One, he doesn't want to be there. And two, he might get hurt again. So I feel like it's a wasted move. You bring Burrow in. You tell him, sit down, shut up. You, you just got to the NFL. There's Tyler Boyd and John Ross and Joe Mixon. Go to work. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't I don't agree. I don't agree with that. But I like cool. You, you know so the, for so so you for know everyone out so for everyone out there, tag. this is how the Bucci GM deal would go. Draft picks who haven't been drafted yet will be able to make personnel decisions, and everybody else who's put blood, sweat, and tears into the franchise is just going to get tagged. That's that's the way he's going to run his operation. Would you have wanted – think about this. You're the Colts back in 83. John Elway holds out. If his make or break was to keep a receiver, but would you have John done Elway. it? And that's, and, that's, and that's another thing. We don't know what Joe Burrow is. We, we don't knew, know. We he, don't know. He is, he, he is not the same prospect that John Elway was. Obviously, that's not he even is fair. not. So, I know and, he and is he, not. And he's not even the prospect that Eli Manning was from a hype, from a hype perspective. That's why he couldn't force – that's why he's not going to be able to force – a don't draft me situation. So I think Burrow's getting a little bit more leeway than he deserves at this point. But, but I'm I'm saying just in general too, they should franchise tag him. I could care less what Joe Burrow said. I'm just agreeing I think, I think with Joe Burrow to, with to keep him back. Anyway, we've talked long enough on the Bengals. I can't believe that segment was that long. You love doing that. Anyway, Deontay Wilder. We discussed his loss in the last episode, but he now brings up a possible excuse. I'm not saying he used this as an excuse, but why bring it up in the first place when he said that he basically, after walking into the ring with the 40-pound so costume weight, um, that he didn't have his legs after that walk into the ring. So, JT, does this make Wilder look bad, or are you actually buying it that it could have been a reason why he lost? I'm buying it that it could have been a reason he lost. But first of all, you didn't know the costume was heavy when you picked it? Like, that was the first time you tried it on? Yes, he said that was the first time he had tried it on. Then shame on you because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> everybody, everybody in your whole camp should be fired. Like, that's that's ridiculous. And to me, I feel like this coupled with – I don't know if you've seen, like, these, like, videos he's been putting out about, you know, he's not taking this loss really well. And he's like, you know – Oh, we'll be back. We'll be stronger than ever. You know, everybody's doubting this and that. I was like, dude, you got your ass kicked by the Gypsy King. Take that for what it's worth. Learn how to box. Get back in the ring and go toe-to-toe with the monster that beat you down. I don't get this. This this whole thing, like I said, since he lost, is making him look bad. And I'm actually kind of losing some respect for him as a boxer. He just finally got punched in the mouth, and he doesn't know how to deal with it. Well, yeah, I think you're right. He's starting to look kind of bad. But two things with that is, well, one, I think it looks bad. I, I, I'm not buying it. The reason why I'm not buying it is 
He says he trains with a 40-pound vest, a weighted vest all the time. He just so got beat up. He got you, beat up, and he's trying to make any excuse, yeah, you go, any excuse to, like, why that happened. Right. You, you brag about how you fight, you train with a 40-pound vest, and now you can't do a simple five-minute walk with this vest on and then fight? Like, I don't know. It's one or the other. Either don't use it as an excuse, or you should have never bragged about fighting or training with a 40-pound, 45-pound vest. Plain and simple. All right? Enough. Next question, though, with Deontay Wilder. He decided to keep his co-trainer, Mark Breland, which you remember, he was the actual trainer that tossed the towel in. So, JT, do you agree with his move by Wilder to retain the co-trainer? Yeah, that man saved his life. Of course he needs to keep him. Oh, that's it. Oh, that, that's it? I <laughs> that's was waiting. <laughs> that's it. I, yeah, I, I agree with the move because <laughs> you're right. He saved them from himself, and that is the trainer's job. Like, regardless of, you know, the boxer and what the boxer wants or believes. Like, at the end of the day, all right, no matter what Wilder says, he, meaning the co-trainer, had to save Deontay Wilder from further possible damage and from himself because Wilder was not going to quit, which we respect that, but the co-trainer did his, did his uh, job. The only thing I would say is they need to change the game plan. So if you're not going to get rid of the co-trainer or the trainers because of the game plan, then you got to change the game plan because whatever it is, it did not work basically the first two fights. And so oh, you 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 kind of bring up something I, I was going to ask you by surprise. It's a perfect segue. I saw this last night and he was quoted. He was quoted basically saying this. Floyd Mayweather came out and said, if. He if Wilder hired him as a trainer, I could teach him how to be a winner. Do you think that's something Wilder should take Floyd Mayweather up on? See, it, it's tough to say because because we're saying we're saying the only thing that's yeah. missing from him at this level is he needs to learn how to box. There's no better person to learn how to avoid get not taking contact from than Mayweather. But you know, it's always that adage like, can the great ones truly? Coach. Can they teach other people exactly? How to be great? Because Mayweather, a lot of that stuff, he worked so hard at it. But a lot of it too, he was just so physically gifted for that for that uh, weight for the weight limit, right? Like Deontay Wilder is never going to be lightning quick like that, you know, ducking and dodging and kind of just missing, you know, some of those straight jabs, like. Fury, and this is the other thing people forget, JT, and this is why I don't know if May. I'm not doubting Mayweather. I just don't know if Mayweather can do it this quickly, having never worked with anyone or Wilder. Wilder got on the boxing scene late in his life. I mean, not that he's old, but just late in what yeah, it's, would it's, be a. It's not. It's not in his blood as long as it's right, been with. He Floyd. hasn't been. Yeah, he hasn't been boxing since like six, seven, eight years old. Whereas a lot of these guys have been. So. I don't know if he should take him. I mean, I guess it can't hurt because at this point you have lost. So, but I don't know if it's that easy of a fix either. That's all. Can we just sit back and take a moment to see how far, how far, like the earth has, the sky has fallen for Wilder. He lost one time and now Floyd Mayweather's like, yeah, I got to teach that guy how to win. (laughs) Well, I don't think we take any pleasure in anyone falling like that. Um, So, but 
it does probably seem like the sky is falling on him. But you know what, JT? They're going to fight July 18th. He wins that. All of a sudden, you know, these last four months are just a little uh, a short period in his life where things didn't go right. That's all. Oh, they already announced the rematch? Yeah, July 18th. I think it's it's booked already. Yep. All right, you got to find a way to be in the same city. There's no way we got to we gotta watch this fight so <laughs> we can comment on this thing live. Dave and Busters. <laughs> ah, this guy. All right, so let's switch gears and go to the NFL Combine, which wrapped over the weekend. Some crazy, crazy workouts. Uh, let's just be real quick about this. Who are some winners for you? Uh, two quick winners. Jonathan Taylor ran a 4.39. He is only one of two running backs in the last four combines to run that low of a 40. The other one, Naheem Hines. And I think this shows that Jonathan Taylor is more than just a Wisconsin running system guy. He's like, got some burn. Yep, yep. And then the other guy is Chase Claypool, uh, the receiver, uh, Notre Dame. The only other receiver besides Claypool to measure six foot four and at least two hundred thirty five pounds and run a sub four four five. JT, do you know? Megatron. Yes, sir. So that's all I gotta say. Yeah. You stole some of my guys. Um, I got three really quick ones. Uh, I thought the offensive lineman really did a good job. Uh, your boy from uh, from Louisville, Makai Beckton. Jeez, man. Six, six seven, 365 pounds, ran a 5-140. And here's the kicker. He measured with just 17% body fat at that size. Like, that's – like, that. we got, like, 30% and we're not even <laughs> even – a quarter of what that guy weighs. So I feel like him as an athlete overall is impressive. And when you see his 40, you can tell. Um, my other one is the other offensive lineman from Iowa, who, which I hope the Dolphins get, uh, Tristan Wirfs, uh, 6'5", 320 pounds, ran a 4'8", 540, jumped a 36-and-a-half vertical, and broad jumped 10 feet. That's insane. And I also just saw a video of him jumping out of a pool, too. So... <laughs> That's crazy. And then the last one, um, hope I'm hope I'm getting this information right. I had never heard of the guy, but there's a safety by the name of Jeremy Chin. He's from uh Southern Illinois, I believe. Dude measured it at 6'3, 220 pounds, ran a 446, 41 inch vertical, and an eleven foot six inch broad jump. That is an athlete, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, I think those three guys really stood out to me. So let's flip the script and go to losers. Who was trash at the combine? I hate to say trash. I, I don't like that. But I would say the guys that didn't live up to their standard, one, I've got two of them. One, uh, Jake Fromm uh, struggled with the act. <laughs> but you, did you expect him to really ball out at the combine, though? Well, I mean, they're looking at him as, I don't know, first-day guy, second-day guy. He struggled with the deep ball accuracy, and nowadays you got to have that. Um and he struggled with it, so that is not good for him. And then our boy, JT, LaVisca Chenault. Ah, uh, yes. The injuries, I think a lot of it is the injuries. He did run a four five eight forty, but that is way higher. But they said that, he ran it because he needed core surgery, so that's what he's getting well, done now. Well, and that was leading to my second point. He was dealing with a core muscle injury, which they say is going to require surgery. That cannot bode well, especially with prior injuries. Um this past year, I believe. So, ah, I don't like to say it was a losing day for him, but he didn't live up to the hype. There, I feel like there were a lot of people who 
that I could put in that loser category. So I'm going to go with the ones that are probably the most entertaining that stood out to me. One, just because it's an FSU guy and it's uh, cornerback Stanford Samuels III. And not only did he run a really slow 40, I think he had like a 4-7 as a cornerback. Did you watch his 40? Uh, No. I may have. <laughs> so refresh so for those who haven't seen it, he ran his 40. He ran the 4-7-1. Immediately after, Deion Sanders goes, oh, he's moving to safety. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought he was I thought he was one of the losers. Uh, another one from that DB group was Miles Bryant from uh, Washington. Only measured in at 5'8". I thought he probably had the worst workout out of, out of any player at the combine. He was short, ran a slow 4-6-6 as a corner. Only jumped 31 inches and had a nine foot seven broad jump. Like you can't be a corner that small and that unathletic. So maybe he'll go to the XFL. I don't know. <laughs> so and then my other loser was um uh I hope I'm saying his name right. The Iowa defense alignment AJ Epenza. He just looks stiff as hell. His 40 was terrible. I just felt like you you. You thought he was a top 10 guy, and then after this workout, you just were like, I don't know if I want to touch him. He looks see, unathletic. See, but that's where I'm kind of like, I don't know, man. We, I watched a good bit of Iowa games, believe it or not, and it's like, I don't know. Sometimes you just got to put the tape in the tape in the game film and see his motor. I mean, I don't know for sure the scouts know better than us, but I don't, I don't think sometimes I, 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 I can be you. deceiving. I don't, yeah, I don't think speed is his game, but – if I'm taking you in the top 10, I said this last year with Bradley Chubb, I want to see like some insane athleticism. I need to know that you're getting double-digit sacks every year. I don't know if he can do that. And then one honorable mention, uh, the tight end from USF, Michael Wilcox, ran a 4.88, had a wardrobe malfunction, got hit in the head with the football, and then to add insult to that, he got injured. So that's terrible. That's just a rough day. It's a rough day. You're not, you're not getting drafted and you're hurt. Uh, let's go with most surprising. Who most surprised you? I'm going to go with the athleticism of the offensive linemen. Got to give them Ooh. a shout-out. Maybe I didn't do my homework enough going into this, but they're saying this is one of the most athletic offensive linemen is. class ever. So I got to go with that's the most surprising. Again, maybe I didn't do my homework on it, but those two guys that you mentioned earlier, for them to do what they did, I mean, and, and they stole the show is the other thing. So that's why they're the most surprising. Yeah, I was going to go with that, but um, kind of to piggyback off of you, I was just surprised how athletic the linebackers were. I mean, you got guys like Isaiah Simmons running a 4-3-9. I think some guy I haven't even heard of, there's a linebacker from Mississippi State, Willie Gay Jr., ran a 4-4-9. My guy who I like from Oklahoma, Kenneth Murray, ran a 4-5-2. Like, these linebackers are putting up these crazy numbers, and they're getting faster, so... I agree with you. The linemen and the linebackers, their just overall athleticism at the position is was impressive to me. All right, sticking with the NFL, let's go to your favorite team, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, your pick to win the division and win it all. So uh, reportedly the Browns won't be moving on from Odell Beckham this season, this offseason after there are rumors that they might try to trade him. Uh, but they said if they are blown away by an offer, they will entertain it. Regardless if they get one of those type of deals or not, do you think it is time for the Browns to move on from OBJ? No, no. I mean, the dude had 74 catches last year, 1,035 yards, and only four TDs. But the and offense, that was his, and that was his worst season, by the way. So he still can play. Exactly. And like, let's face it, he was the only highlight of that offense. Well, I take that back. Chubb, Chubb was really good. 
Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, I'm sorry. And even Hunt, he came on late second half of the year. But, you know, they struggled. And so when you struggle like that, usually your game falls, but still had over 1,000 yards. And that was the first year with that team, in that system, with that quarterback. And on top of that, this is the other thing. He was he caused no problems in the locker room, was not a headache for the organization, and the Browns, like I said with Tom Brady and the Steelers, you need talent, especially offensive weapons. You can't let go one of the best receivers in the league because of I don't even I don't even know like what what well, the issue mi- would be. Keep in mind he keep acted in mind, though he acted he a- had, there was the whole thing where he started the they were he was telling opposing teams, "Hey, come get me." So they, it's because he, they weren't he, winning. He's he's come out and said that's not true, and I think some people have kind of backed that story, which is why I think the Browns are moving toward the point where they're saying, "Hey, if he's not trying to leave, we're not trying to kick him out." Exactly. But I think that's what started the, that. That was a part of the problem with him in Cleveland last year, and the fact that they weren't winning, and he wasn't producing at the level they thought he would. But I agree with you. I don't think they should move on from him. Like you said, top three receiver, top five receiver easily in the league. When Even when healthy, he's he the sky's the limit. If anything, they need to worry how they're going to fix Baker Mayfield because he's broken, and I don't know what happened last year. Probably Freddie Kitchens happened to him, but that's what they need to fix. And if he doesn't get better, that's who they should be trying to move on from and get somebody in there that can play the quarterback position. Uh, let's move on to your – I know you love the Pouncey brothers. Can we just get that on record? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, they're you don't very, li- you don't like you, you don't like Marquise Pouncey. They're very good football player. I I don't know the guy. Why would you try to get me to say yes or no? I don't oh, know the loves, guy. He loves. I, he loves. I'm he reserving loves my opinion. I'm reserving my opinion. Okay, because I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, he's just saying that because what we're going to talk about is uh, Pouncey's whole situation with urging the NFL players to not vote yes for the new proposed CBA for the for the new uh, agreement. So, I know you're uncomfortable with that uh, profane-laced video he posted uh, basically telling the players don't vote for the new CBA. And then he released another video where he was, you know, a little bit more calm and more professional. And the message he was conveying was, guys, don't vote for this new CBA. If you're worried about money, talking to the players who obviously don't have the big contracts, if you're worried about money, don't worry about it. Us NFL players that are paid We'll take care of you and make sure you stay on your feet until we get a deal we feel is right. With that being said, should the non-star players trust that other players who are established in the league will support them financially if there is indeed a lockout? No. If you're a young player, why would you trust them? Because it's easy to say that now when there's still a year left on the CBA, you know you're going to play next year, and... No one is asking for money, right? These young guys aren't asking the veterans for money yet. And the season just finished, so they just got their last big check, like, what, two months ago? So, yeah, no one's hurting for money. It's easy to say, oh, come hit us up. But what happens when you've got 50 players from all around the league hitting up a specific veteran? There's no way, realistically, they're going to be able to pay these young guys. So, like, no. The non-star players cannot trust that. They need to get their money when they can. And most of the players in the NFL, even though JT, you know, as a 
avid football fans, you know most of the players' names and who they are. But for the most part, the non-star players are a majority of the league. Yeah, I agree with you. Here's the thing that really worries me is if I'm one of those non-star players that's really going to be hurting if there's a lockout, I'm not sure I want to borrow any money from the pouncies and have to owe them money. They like might they, charge you. Would they charge you interest on it? I don't know. I feel like if you like seriously, like think I'm I, I'm trying to be funny, but I'm serious. If you were an average player making no money, think of all the guys that have big contracts in the league. The pouncies are not at the top of the list of guys. All right, I need to go ask that guy for money, and then you have to pay him back. You saw the first video he posted. That's the guy that's going to show up at your door when you get cut, when the CBA is signed, you don't have the money to pay him back that he loaned you while there was a lockout. I'm telling you, NFL players, don't fall for the trap. I know it's a sorry situation, but signing a shitty CBA is better than owing the Pouncey Brothers money. That's just word of advice. All right, so JT, let's go to quick hitters. We still don't have a sponsor. My bad, you are right. It's not that easy to get sponsors for the quick hitters. But first up, Chase Young did not work out at the combine. Do you have an issue with that? Hmm. I struggle with this one. At first I said no, but I I'm changed my mind. I'm gonna say yes because I think Chase Young may be under the illusion that he is in that top tier of every year that one defensive player that for sure somebody is willing to take number one overall. I don't think NFL scouts feel the way about him that they felt about Bosa last year. And the fact that he didn't work out, I think will push him down out of the top three. That's a good point. Remember, it's quick hitters. That was not quick. So my answer, do I have an issue with that? No, I do not. Nick Saban lost his strength coach, Scott Cochran, to Georgia. They actually made him one of their assistant coaches, not just the strength coach. So... Is it a big deal that Nick Saban lost him? No. Yes, it is, and you will find out. You will see why. Finally, Roy Holiday. <laughs> is that quick enough for you? That's great. That's what we're looking for. That's what the fans want. Phillies to retire Roy Holiday's number 34 uh, 10 years after his perfect game. JT, you know who attended his perfect game? You. This guy, when I was living in Miami. Yeah, because I, I knew other people that were there, and I just had to pick from a plethora of people. <laughs> so, are you in on that? Yeah, he's one of their best pitchers of all time. Um, good honor. It's just him. I think it's him and Carlton are probably up there as the best two pitchers. So, I'm all with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm in on that, too. I agree with you. So, let's go to... Are we going to have both a surprise JT and a trivia time segment? Let's let's start first with the trivia time. See how you do. Uh, we, we're running out of time, no, so no, I don't we're think good, we're going to have good. time for that. We have plenty of time. Listeners at home love this segment. So, first up, <laughs> trivia time. It's like my t-shirt time from Jersey Shore. Trivia time. Stop saying that. <laughs> the first. Do you know who the First teammates are to average 30 points per game and five assists per game for a whole calendar month. Let me know if you need a hint. Say 30 points a game. 30 points per game. They each averaged 30 points a game, and they each averaged five assists per game for a whole calendar month. Like within that calendar month. 
So it happened this year, obviously. It obviously did. It actually um, just happened in February. Who did that? Uh, five, four, three. LeBron and AD? Westbrook and Harden. They passed. They, they had each had five assists a game. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So surprise JT segment, everyone's favorite. Only got one here. I don't know how much of a surprise it is. I, well, I haven't told you, so it is a surprise. Marshawn Lynch. I don't know if you heard about this, JT. Marshawn Lynch was picked to be a speaker at Princeton. All right. Not at graduation, though. It's one of the ceremonies beforehand. And the students did not agree, and the reason why was because they had no say in it. But, JT, if Marshawn Lynch was to speak at UCF when you graduated, would you have wanted him to? Absolutely. If anybody (laughs) spoke at UCF other than who actually does the ceremony, it would have been a sold-out event. That school is so boring. If Bispo wants to come and speak there, that's going to be the livest graduation of all time. You should be praying for that. All right, well. There you have it. You heard JT. Hold on, so, time out. So, 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 if Beast Mo was gonna speak at, at your commencement, you don't, you wouldn't want that at Bobby Mo or at yeah, or at, at Bobby, UM, wherever. Either listen, one. Of course, it's always interesting to hear what Marshawn Lynch has to say. Of course, is that good enough? Okay. Right, just making sure, make sure it's still a sports person. <laughs> of course, and it's a sports guy. So yeah. I would definitely uh, be okay with that. Also, uh, before we go, um, I want to give a special shout-out to the GOAT, Dan Marino. Uh, was able to meet him this week. Very nice guy. Thank you for uh, taking time to talk and speak and take a picture with me and the coworkers. We really appreciate it. That's why he's the best of all time. South Oakland boy from Pittsburgh, and he's a Paisan. Of course he's a great guy. Of course he's nice. Only guy that would talk to you while doing his grocery shopping. That, that, that's a legend right there. You know what's amazing? He does his own grocery shopping. Yeah. He's literally like, I live across the street. I was like, that's when you know you've gone full-on retirement where you're just like, yep, I live right there and I do this every day. And nobody in the store cares. <laughs> well, you did, and that's all that matters. So, JT, great episode uh, to the listeners at home. Thank you, as always, for listening to us. And remember to please subscribe to us, JT and the Don, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, please leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, please leave us a five-star review. And please also remember to follow us, handle on social media at JT and the Dawn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So until the next episode, JT, see ya. Peace.